Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. Let me give a shout out to our worship team. Oh my goodness. That song, the second song we did today, I'd never heard that in my life. Have y'all heard that song? Wow. Man. Thank you, Drew, for finding that one. Wherever you are, I love you. Good grief. I felt like Kanye was about to come in and jump in to lead. It was that good. (laughs) It was good. I don't know if y'all are following what's happened with Brother Kanye West. uh, life story. Man, he found Jesus. And I praise the Lord for that. I praise the Lord for that. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, well, let me talk to you uh, about, about where we're going to be going today. Um, in preparing for today, I know that some of you, uh, this was a special week in your life. I know this because you've already told me. It was an incredible week for, for me and for our church staff uh, I did something I've never done. I invited you to fast and pray with me this past week. I do know that for some of you, this is probably the first time in your, your life that you've ever done that. And my hope and my prayer is that it overwhelmed you to be able to redeem that extra time in God's word and, and in prayer. And the Lord spoke to many of you. He spoke to me. I think this week at the office, some of the time we had together, especially on Thursday, it was some of the sweetest time we've had together as a church staff in prayer, in very specific prayer. And then to see God answer specific prayers, like four hours later, you're just like, wow, thank you, Lord. This is incredible. And so God is at work. Uh, We were joking this morning in the huddle. You know, my girls come up with all kinds of silly things to say, and sometimes they'll say, that's not odd. That's God. And and that's a bit cheesy, yes. But I don't want to take for granted what I've seen God doing. For example, for example, months ago, we picked out this one verse for the Hope for the House campaign out of the book of Psalm 120, I don't know, 126 or 127. But the Bible verse says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So I'm up this morning and I'm doing my day, daily Bible reading and I, here I go. A whole year's worth of reading through the Bible. Guess what verse was a part of today's Bible reading? The same text on the very day that we're kicking off this campaign. I'm like, that's not odd. That's God, okay? And then this morning, my routine is always to go over into the library and I go over my sermon. And, you know, have you ever done this thing where you're just like, you just like randomly open the Bible and nothing is saved? And so I was, I'd had my notes out, but I just randomly opened my Bible to put a couple of commitment cards into it. Do you know where I randomly opened the Bible to? The very text, John chapter 12, where we're going to be reading from today. And I'm like, that's not odd. I need a little more interaction from you there, okay? I know, I know. It's God. And so I've thought, they're just, y'all, there are a hundred things going through my mind, and you realize that right now. You're like, man, he is all over the board right now, okay? But here's what I know. In the life of a church, and it's kind of weird to even say we're still a new church because we're, we're eight and a half years old. 
there are many first-time experiences for us as a church. And you think back, well, the first time we baptized people. Oh, the first time we had baby dedications. That was awesome. Oh, what about the first time um, we had a Christmas Eve service? Because we hadn't always done that. We're doing it again this year. Christmas Eve, 5 p.m. right here. Save the date. Two, a first time. This was not such a good first time thing. Two years ago, the heater broke in this gym, and for like three weeks in a row in the middle of winter, we had no heat. That was a, y'all remember that? That was a bad first time experience. <laughs> and so today, what, I, what I'm trying to say is uh, the older a church body becomes, the fewer first time things there are to experience as a body. Yet today is one of those days. Today is the first time ever we've had a commitment Sunday for a capital church fundraising campaign that we're calling Hope for the House. And so you might, some of you who have been, uh, maybe you've grown up in church, maybe you've been a part of some other congregations before the Lord led you here, and you're like, yeah, I know, I've been done this, man. I, I know how this works. I get that. And so because you may have some preconceived ideas of what this is all about, you may think, well, Kent, like, as our pastor, are you, are you nervous about all of this? And I can honestly say, no, I'm not really nervous about this at all. You might say, well, Kent, you might say that now, but hey, big boy, what if we don't, what if we don't come anywhere close to that $1.5 million goal over these next two years? And I would, from the bottom of my heart, I'd just say to you, I'm trusting God. I just am. I am trusting the Lord with all of my heart because I know, listen to me, I know God has a perfect plan. Listen, he has a perfect plan and I am trusting God because I know that I know, listen to me, if and when his people give back to him what is already his, then I don't think we will just meet the goal. I believe we will exceed the goal. I really believe that, church. And so part of my responsibility as your pastor, as your shepherd, is to, is to teach you, to help you understand what the Bible teaches us about being a follower of Jesus Christ. That's just part of what a pastor or shepherd does. And that includes scripture that would talk to us about money. Oh, great, money. <laughs> it teaches us about generosity, but it also teaches us about what it means to be selfish. What does the Bible say about giving? What does the Bible say about taking? Here's what I know is true. Listen to me. Nobody, nobody in this section over here, none of you, nobody in this section, none of the people back in the back of the room, no one in this room, listen to me, is a natural born giver. None of us. Instead, do you realize we're Natural born takers, we are. If you've raised a child, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We enter into this fallen world and we have this sin nature. And at the very heart of that nature is selfishness. 
And so let me give you the toddler illustration. Your little toddler uh, maybe has a sibling or they're having a play date, two toddlers together, and usually within minutes, you will hear this word. Mine. <laughs> mine. Mine. Mine, 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 mine. And within uh, 30 seconds or so, the pitch of that mine, you are just doing everything you can to restrain yourself. Your child, listen to me, they were born that way. As a parent, you did not teach them that kind of behavior because it's selfish. But, listen to me, in contrast, our good, good heavenly father is a giver. And listen, how, why do you say that, Kent? Well, how about the most quoted verse in the Bible? Put it up on the screen. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. So what, what is God leading us toward in this hope for the house campaign? Well, of course we want a building. Of course that's a part of it. But what God desires to do in us and through us, it's about so much more than just a building. It's about so much more. Today is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today is about allowing God to transform, to turn upside down, to turn inside out our hearts Today is about having faith, and today is about helping people who don't know Jesus Christ find him and know him to be the Savior and the Lord of their lives. So here's what I've been doing. I've obviously had even extra time to prepare for today, and as I've been preparing, one of the texts that I read in the New Testament this week, John chapter 12, it's like it just jumped out at me and like, there it is. This is just what you need to talk about today. You'll understand in just a moment. I think this story in God's word, it represents this gigantic extreme between generosity and between selfishness, between giving and between taking. And so I want you to look at God's word with me. If you brought your Bible like my wife does, open it up to John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I hope you have time to get there because it's already on the screen. John chapter 12, we're going to read eight verses. Look with me. And six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was. He was the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Just a quick time out. Set the stage. How often do you get to go to a dinner party honoring someone who's been raised from the dead? And the guys at the table, what kind of dinner party is this? So they gave a dinner for him there and was serving them. And Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him, with Jesus. And then Mary, Mary and Martha, their sisters, look what she did. She took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet and she wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Then one of the disciples, look which one, 
Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray Jesus, said, look what he said, why wasn't this perfume sold? It could have been sold, he said, for 300 denarii and given to the poor. Look at the text. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Look at this. Judas was in charge of the money bag, and Scripture says the dude would steal part of what was being put into it. Jesus answered, leave her alone. She has kept it. She had kept this perfume for the day of my burial. And Jesus says, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now, I've read this story a lot, but for whatever reason, God allowed me to see it in a new light this week. It's an absolutely amazing story. It is this radical contrast of two completely different hearts. You have Mary with this incredible heart of generosity, and you have this very selfish heart of Judas. And so I read this text, and perhaps you read this text, and one of the very first things, listen to me, you, you want to ask Mary is, what are you doing? Why in the world, Mary, did you do this? Why did you give such an extravagant and generous gift to the Lord? Listen to me, 300 denarii, that means nothing to you right now, but we're about to break it down. Here's what it meant. That amount of money was specifically the same as a person's annual. Let's just play this game. Please play along with me in your mind. Okay, I heard one okay. Now, don't shout it out. And I realize some of you may have a part-time, some of you may not have a job at all, but many of you do. This is not a, I want you to think about in one year's time, maybe you need to go back, you know, to, you know, you get your, you get your W-2, kind of pull out of the air a number of what the Lord allowed you to make all of last year. Now, just don't say it. Just think about it for a moment. You, you got a number in your mind. And then, no matter what that number is, I want you to imagine taking every single penny you made last year, every, all of it, and you taking all that money, somehow you managed to save it all and you got it in one jar and you take it to the perfume store and you spend every single bit of that money on one jar of perfume. Now you got this very valuable jar of perfume and then I want you to imagine taking that perfume, all of it, you've spent your entire year's wages and at the feet of Jesus, you pour all of it out. All of it. You pour it all out on someone's feet. You're never going to get it back. It's poured out. It's gone. And in that act of generosity, I want to ask Mary, why? There's another question that comes to mind. We'll come back to Mary in a minute. 
My other question is this. Why in the world is it that Judas was so bothered by what Mary did with that perfume? It was not his perfume or his money in the first place. Are you with me? And so please let me point something out. This is the gospel truth. I've seen it all of my life. You've seen it all of your life. Whenever and wherever you find generosity, you will also find selfishness battling out for control. It was true in this situation, and it is true, listen to me, in each of our hearts. Every single one of us, we have to get up each day and we look in the mirror and we have to answer that question. Am I a giver or am I a taker? Am I generous or am I selfish? Now I want you to look again at what Judas said. We'll put up just part of this text. Remember Judas, he's angry. He doesn't understand why she did this. And the text says he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and, and would steal part of what was put in it. Y'all, like this is the old, what he just did here, I would say it is the oldest trick in the book. Judas is pretending to be thinking about other people, but he's really just thinking about himself. When, uh, when, we, mer- merced, when we first moved to Tennessee, I went to work for Tennessee Baptist Convention. Their offices were in Brentwood. Brentwood, yes. How many of you have been to Brentwood? It's a beautiful place. Lovely. When I worked over in Brentwood, I would oftentimes go have lunch at the Puffy Muffin. Some of you know. Lovely. Lovely place. And, and over there in Brentwood, y'all, there are some amazing homes. Mm-hmm. You know what's easy to do? For me anyway? It would be easy for me to drive by some of these amazing homes and think, are you kidding me? I can't, I can't believe these people. I don't, I don't know the people, by the way, because the truth is they could be really, really godly people who love Jesus who are more generous than we will ever know. Watch out. And I could say to myself something like this, man, if I had that kind of money, I wouldn't build a big old house like that. You know what I would do? If I had that kind of money, I would would use that money to, to help people who really needed it. And I think I have to parent with you because here's the ugly truth. I don't know that I really care that much about helping the poor. But really, maybe I just resent the fact that someone has a nicer house than I do. That was the heart of Judas. Judas saw Mary with the perfume and she poured all of it out on Jesus' feet. One year's wages. And Judas is thinking to himself, instead of that money passing through the money box, 
that I'm in charge of, no doubt, he said. He viewed Mary's beautiful act of sacrificial worship as just complete waste. He didn't even see it. So could I give you uh, some contemporary terminology for the money box? It's the offering basket. The money box that the disciples carried around, listen to me, it held all of the offerings. People gave support to Jesus' ministry, and Jesus would in turn use that money to bless other people. And Judas was stealing from it. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this. You may hear the story and you're like, oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. But I want you to think of this in, in light of what, what might this say to us. We know that in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, listen to me. God rebukes his people. We are his people. God rebukes his people. Listen to me. The text says, because they are robbing him by withholding their tithes and offerings. So here's the question. Here's the question. Is it possible that just as Judas robbed the Lord by taking out of the offering box, that we at times have been guilty of robbing God by failing to put into the offering box what is already his. It's already his. And I know you're like, man, that sounds so harsh. But I would suggest, here's all I want to say. I think it's far too easy for Christians to operate daily more like Judas than they live like Mary. And so today, if you would just say, man, okay, okay, Kent, I see what God's trying to teach me. I'm realizing I, I need to be more generous than I need to be selfish. I want you to know something. This is good. Jesus always will allow you the opportunity to confront your weakness. He just does. You say, I'm weak in this area. You said, all right, let's do something about it. Let me give you this opportunity to confront this area where you find yourself weak. Now, if you look back at the text, we don't have to put it on the screen, but just some basic questions. Let's get on the same page here so you'll know what I'm talking about. Here's the question. Who do you think gave Judas... The responsibility of being in charge of the money box. Think about it. Jesus did. Another question. Do you think Jesus knew that Judas was a thief when he gave him that responsibility? Yes, absolutely he did. So think about this. As Christians, we often find ourselves being tempted in the areas of our weakness. Yet time and time again, over and over again, God will give you responsibility in the area of your weakness, even though you say, man, I'm just, I'm struggling, I'm blowing it, I can't do this. Listen, here it is. God is not setting you up to fail but instead, his desire is for you to succeed. His desire was for Judas to succeed, not to fail. And please know this. The only way we can truly succeed, watch this, is by confronting our weaknesses 
and then allowing God to help us to overcome them, okay? So you're here today, and you might say, and this is not for everybody, but some of you might say, man, I'm having a hard time being generous. It, you might be saying, yeah, yeah okay, so, so yeah, I'm kind of a selfish person. Here's all I'm asking you to do. Would you begin to look at where God might be very small areas of responsibility and then know in those small areas he's allowing you to be responsible, he is guiding you and hoping that you will be obedient to him in this necessary growing process. Now, before you just like write me off and say, bro, no dice, can't go there, can't be a part of this, I want you to look at one of God's promises related to all these things we struggle with and, and our temptations. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. What a great promise in light of what we're talking about. There is no temptation that has overtaken you except such as is common to man. You may feel like you're on an island with this, but no, you're not. This is common to man, and Scripture says, hey, God's faithful. God is faithful. Look at this. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So what is God's desire? God's greatest desire is to help you turn, watch this, your areas of defeat into your greatest victories. I believe it with all of my heart. Let's look again at Judas and Mary. Think about the difference. Judas wanted to keep everything he could to himself in order to build his own kingdom, but Mary. Mary was willing to give everything she had in order to bless her king. And so here's Mary. This is the good part. You're like, quit talking about Judas. Oh yeah, here we go. Mary comes to Jesus with a heart overflowing with gratitude and love. And she gives this most extravagant offering to the Lord. And we all are asking this question, why in the world did she do this? Why? Why did Mary bring such a generous gift to Jesus? All you have to do is to look back one chapter. I'm not going to read it. John chapter 11. And you'll see it. In John chapter 11, we read this account of Jesus raising Mary and Martha's brother from the dead. Lazarus. He's raised from the dead. And so then one chapter later from chapter 11 or 12, of course Mary gives this most precious possession to Jesus. Just come on, think about this. Your brother dies. A loved one dies. You, you bury them. He, he has been in the tomb for four days. And then he is, he is restored to life by Jesus. Yes. Mary is now forever grateful. And I guess that just maybe all of a sudden, her material possessions just really didn't matter anymore. They just didn't even matter to her anymore. So hear me, church. Hear me, Hope Fellowship. When we as a people can get a glimpse 
of what Jesus Christ can do for the people we love changes everything. It changes everything. Our entire perspective changes. Now take this a step further. I want you to apply this to your own life personally this morning. If you know Jesus, if you in this room know Jesus to be Savior and Lord of your life, do you see this? Do you see that you too have been raised from the dead? Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. But because of his great love for us, God loves you. He loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus. But because of his great love for you, our God, who is rich in mercy, what did he do? He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were dead in our sins, he did this for us. It is by grace that you've been saved. What else? Oh, there's more. And because of all this, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus Church, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by the truth of this text and what it communicates to all of us. Let me invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we, we need you to help us. God, if, if there is a way that you can help us to have the very same perspective that Mary had in this text, John chapter 12. Oh, Lord, would, would you do that? God, I believe that you desire to do that. And God, I believe that because of your unconditional love, God, because of your generosity to us through your son, Jesus, you give us this opportunity to respond with generous hearts. God, not just today, but for a lifetime. For a lifetime, Lord. God, our prayer is that you would be honored. Our prayer is that you would, God, grow our faith. God, our prayer is that we would trust in you. And God, our prayer is that we would begin to understand the biblical truth of what it means to live under your blessing when we begin to live in the way you teach us to live regarding being a generous people. God, teach us what you need to teach us. Guide us where you want to guide us. Provide, God, for us where only you can provide. And let us rely on you and seek you and spend time in prayer and ask you to guide every step in this journey. God, we want to hear from you. We want to see you at work. And God, we want to be used for your glory to impact this community. So many people, Lord, don't yet know the good news.
Use us, God. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.